Our second reading comes from the Gospel of John, and it is Jesus speaking to his disciples, explaining to them that he will soon no longer be with them, and trying to offer some words of comfort for what life will hold. So listen for a word from God from John 14, verses 25 through 31. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are Emmanuel, God with us. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Do you have something that you hold on to that reminds you of the presence of another? Maybe you have a dear friend who lives in another state, so you hold on to a picture of the two of you laughing. And whenever you look at that picture, you remember the presence of this person and the joy that it brings. Or maybe you have someone in your life who is still close physically, but relationally, they're far away. Your relationship seems to have faded so you hold on to a note they wrote you one time and you remember the joy that they've brought into your life. Or maybe you have a family member who has since passed away and so you hold on to a gift or an inheritance, something of theirs that reminds you of their presence. For me, I enjoy wearing one of the ties of my grandfather who passed away a few years ago because every time I wear one of his ties, thinking about that he wore this tie when he was a young missionary, I feel his presence around me. One of my friends holds on to every single note, every single card ever written to her because each card is a little piece of presence from someone who has loved her. In the 23rd Psalm, which is what our sermon series is based on, we have this lovely promise of God's presence. The psalmist writes, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The psalmist would have seen rods and staffs wherever they went. Perhaps this psalm was written by King David when he himself 
was a shepherd, and so every day when he went to work, he carried his rod and his staff, holding it, knowing that God was with him. Every day when he got up in the morning and he walked to work, walked out to the pastures, he held a physical representation that God was with him, that God was near. Do you have something physical in your life that reminds you of God's presence? Something that reminds you that God is here, that God is not some far-off God, but one who is in the present world. Maybe it is your child or your grandchild's laughter, and every time you see them laugh, you're filled with joy, and you know God's joy is in the world. Or you think, as Cormac McCarthy once said, if, it's not, if my son is not the word of God, then God never spoke. Or maybe it is that one beautiful, large oak tree that you see on your way to work. And when you see its shade and its protection and its beauty, you remember that God's loveliness permeates all throughout the world. Or maybe it's this church building. When you walk in these doors and you see the beautiful people and the pews and the windows, or when you drive by and you see the wonderful brick facade, you remember that God has been faithful to people here for generations and God will be faithful again. We need these physical reminders of God's presence because sometimes it's really hard to remember that God is present. Sometimes it's difficult to know God is near. And so having physical things that we can look to and hold on to reminds us of the comfort that comes with presence. The comfort that we need, the comfort that comes with God being near. It makes me think of my favorite Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Hounds of Baskerville. This is a Sherlock Holmes novel and the best, by my humble opinion. And the novel starts out as they typically do. You have Sherlock the Great Detective and his sidekick, Watson, and they are hanging out in 221B Baker Street when someone comes with a fantastical story that there is this hound of mythic proportions, that there's been a murder, that there's a haunting. And so you expect the two of them to go solve the mystery, as they always do. But instead, Sherlock sends Watson to go and do some problem-solving on his own. So Watson goes on his own. He begins doing some detective work. He meets some crazy characters. He starts writing letters and reports to Sherlock, saying everything he's done, all his theories, everything he thinks is happening. And finally, Watson learns of a convict that has escaped and is around Baskerville. And so while he's out one night, he sees a man out on the creepy moor, and so he pursues the convict, and he loses him. They comes upon the hut that the convict has been staying in. And as he goes up to the hut and he's rumbling around inside that this man has been living in, he hears footsteps on the outside and so he gets scared and he draws his revolver. And as he goes out the door, he finds none other than Sherlock Holmes waiting for him. And at first he's upset, he's angry. He says, Sherlock, why didn't you come 
with me? Why haven't you been here the whole time? Why did you have me write these reports? They feel like nonsense. And in the midst of his gripes, in the midst of his frustration, he's covered with a comfort at the presence of his friend. He's covered in a comfort at seeing his friend before him. And he says, I have, been more glad, I have never been more glad to see anyone in my entire life. He forgets all his frustrations and he feels nothing but comfort. In our passage, in our second lesson, Jesus is trying to provide comfort to his disciples as he is bodily leaving them. As his body will no longer be with them, how are they to have comfort? And so he's sharing what is called the first of the three farewell discourses. And in this first farewell discourse, all Jesus is trying to do is provide comfort. But through all the discourses, he's trying to prepare his disciples for what comes next. And there's one theme there's one motif, there's one thread that ties all three of these farewell discourses in the Gospel of John together. And that main theme is God's salvation. Now, often when I hear the word salvation, I think about my life after death, of me going to heaven. But salvation is so much bigger than that. Friends, salvation is the presence of God. And the presence of God doesn't wait for us until we die. Yes, it will meet us then, but it also meets us now. Salvation is the presence of God today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives and even after we die. God promises to be with us always. Salvation is now. Salvation is the presence of God. But what comes with salvation? What comes with God's presence? Well, this comes from the promises in our passage. Jesus promises us the peace of God, the shalom in the Hebrew. This peace that passes all understanding. Peace that doesn't take away the hardships of the world but promises to give us the spiritual and mental fortitude to bear them, to rise and be on our way to continue finding hope in a world that often feels full of despair. Peace graces us with the gift that our lives don't have to be ruled by fear or prejudice or anger or uncertainty of the other. Because the presence and peace of God within and around us provides us comfort. Comfort with ourselves and comfort with others. So that we can rise and be on our way to care for the outsider, for the lonely, for the broken. Salvation is the knowledge of God taught to us by the Holy Spirit whispering that ever-important truth that we always seem to forget that we are beloved children of God, dearly loved and dearly cared for, that we are dearly loved by the creator, the all-powerful creator of the universe, and that when we feel alone, 
when we feel abandoned, that we can hold on to the knowledge that God is present, that God is near, that God is now, so that we can rise and be on our way to go out into the world. Salvation is God's presence when we are absolutely terrified. Terrified for perhaps the direction of the country. Terrified for what might happen to our children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews. Terrified for what simply comes tomorrow and life. But salvation is God saying, I am with you. Rise, let us be on our way. I have been with you the entire time through the dark nights and into the joyous morning. Let us get out of this bed today with the courage to love who is right in front of us. Church, salvation is yours. It is a gift freely given to you. It is offered every waking and unwaking moment of your life. The question is, will you see it? Will you hold it? Will you recognize it? Will you cherish it? Will you find the comfort that it promises? And then will you rise and go out into the world to live in response to that great gift with the sure knowledge that the presence of God surrounds you always, holding you in love and grace. This is the truth that God will never abandon you. That salvation and comfort and presence are yours. So may we all rise and go. Go and give our presence to the world, bringing God's comfort, hope, justice, and salvation to a world that so desperately needs it. May it be so, and thanks be to God. Amen.